I've been stacking up the years I spent trading punches with the enemy. Ooh, built myself a double thick stone tower last high. Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it. It's your boy Sully on the Excuse Me Podcast, aka the Maximize the Moment Podcast, aka Excuse Me, your greatness is with God. And welcome to the podcast. Welcome to another iteration of the Leadership Table Talk series. And before I get into the topic today, let's usher in with some prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for pouring into the leaders that are on this podcast. Thank you for pouring into the individuals. Although they may not be in a position of authority, they can show leadership in the capacity of who they are. They can influence someone's thoughts, actions, and behaviors and the mindsets that can trigger habits for the kingdom, that can trigger people to come closer to you, to gravitate towards you, Father God. Allow your spirit to fill them. Allow this message to be value added allow this dialogue to uh, us to dive deeper into your word and we say these things in jesus name amen so i'm excited i'm excited excited today we're going to talk about the god in my genes and what that means to leadership and what that means in the kingdom so with no further ado the human genome or the two million paired strands of dna within every cell is basically a giant software program. And as a cyber guy, that is not lost on me. Your body is made up of trillions of cells. Each cell is a copy of a single cell that has divided itself to make up all the cells in your body. Your cells need instructions to create who you are. Your DNA, genes, and chromosomes, they work together to tell your body how to form and how to function. It very specifically tells the cell what it's supposed to do. It is supposed to be a skin cell. Is it supposed to be a fingernail cell? Is it supposed to be a hair cell? Right? The genetic coding literally interacts with the cell and impacts how the cells manifest. Now, gene regulation is the process used to control the timing, location, and the amount in which the genes are expressed. Gene regulation is key to the ability of an organism. It is key to the organism's ability to respond to environmental changes. Very important. A variety of personality traits that can be traced to this genetic predisposition. And some people, they're very extroverted. Some are very introverted and quiet. Some are logically dominant and others are emotionally dominant. Although people think that genetics are fixed, Epigenetics research provides rich evidence for how adaptable genes really are and provides a new understanding of interaction between genetics and environment. Very specific gene sequences can be turned on and off to adapt to environmental conditions. Now, a person that's born and raised in a very cold climate will have cells that do not generate a lot of perspiration. There is limited need for an individual to cool down as there is limited likelihood that they will overheat in a cool climate. If his, if this person goes to a very hot climate for a short time, they're going to be extremely miserable as the hot environment will feel much hotter to them than the others that they've always lived before. Now, over time, however, their genes will alter so that they are capable of perspiring more so that they can naturally cool off. The interaction between genes and the environment is an incredibly complex and amazing, amazing system. Genes are indicators of potential. Sully, what do genetics have to do with freaking leadership? What does 
what does this have to do with how I lead? Well, you know what? I'm so glad that you asked. As leaders of organizations, we have a vision in which we are continuously journeying towards and operational goals that act as mile markers and the lessons learned along the way. And as we seek out our vision, there will always be volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity within the environments that we work in. In order to be effective in tackling such circumstances, we must understand change. We must understand initiating change, modeling change, responding to change, and of course, sustaining long-term change and how they are fundamental to the aspects of leading and how this may alter the way we employ the genetic code of our businesses and certain approaches to be effective and responsive in healthy ways in efforts of modernizing, innovating, and leading. Simply put, when my perspective changed, my possibilities changed with it. So today we're going to look at two big rocks and their subcategories that will aid us in understanding the bedrock of our genetic code when it comes to our organizations, our communities, and our cultures. So the first big rock being competencies. Now, there are three types of competencies that I want you to take away from today. The first being an institutional or core value, right? You may have heard these before. How do you want an organization to be governed corporately. These answer the why of what it is that we do. These are the heartbeat of the organization. This is everything, the actions and behaviors, they spring off of these core values or these institutional competencies. The second subcategory being technical competence. A technical competence is something that specific knowledge, skills, and abilities that are applied to accomplishing a specific task, job, or function and the interdependent of those knowledge, skills, and abilities, right? So independently, knowledge, skill, and ability, three separate things, but interdependently, they work together to accomplish a specific task, job, or function. Now, the third subcategory is called a behavioral competency. How do we want our people to act? When I look at the organization, these are the attitudes and the actions that differentiate my organization from the cultures of others. Pretty self-explanatory. Now, the second big rock that I want to hit on is the miracle of meaningful work. And there are three subcategories that covers up the miracle of meaningful work. What makes our work meaningful at the end of the day? Now, a lot of research goes back behind this, but the three subcategories are autonomy, that is the right or the condition to self-government, the ability to do things on your own premise. Complexity, the state of having many parts or being difficult to understand or find an answer to, or how the interdependency between functions work, right? So I talked about knowledge, skills, and ability. If you think of these as work centers, if I had a tech work center, a sales work center, and another work center, how do those three they are independent functions, but how do those three interdependently and coexist within the corporate structure, right? And then the third being shifting our focus from avoiding errors to exceeding excellence, or it could be seen as connection between effort and reward. So those are the leadership principles. That is the two big rocks when it comes to our genetic code. And those are the subcategories that make that. And it can be a lot to digest if we really sit down and think about it. So Sully, how do these principles tie in with the kingdom of God? That's another great question. I'm glad you're here today. 
Look, let's look at competencies first. Competencies first, excuse me. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's Matthew 22. We should all know this as believers, but don't these sound like core values? These are core values within the kingdom of God. These is, this is an institutional standard of how we are to operate within the kingdom of God. It is a springboard for our actions. It is a springboard for how we are investing our energy, and this is what God has given us. So let's keep moving forward. If we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus describes personal ethics i.e. behavioral competencies. And these are an example for us, but this is not limited to all the other behavioral competencies that we can see in the Bible. We see examples, again, throughout the entire canon and the behaviors that we ought to exhibit as Christians. But first, let's look at the six antitheses that are mentioned by Jesus. And they look like, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who curse you, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile and give the shirt off your back. If we look at Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and those alike. It continues to say, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who act like this, those behaviors that reflect this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. These are behavioral competencies. These are the things of how we are to act and conduct ourselves within the kingdom. All right, let's keep pressing forward. All right, baptizing and making disciples across the globe, praying, teaching, preaching, evangelizing, reading and studying the word, worshiping and praising. Some of these can be seen as technical competence. And I use this word very loosely in the sense that they are not ritualistic, but they are ways that are drive us closer and better ourselves and draw us nearer to our relationship with God. Okay, let's move on to the second big rock, the miracle of meaningful work within the context of the kingdom. God gave us autonomy. God gave us the ability to choose. We have the ability, although created by God, to choose God and what he has purpose for us or the things that take us away from him. There's a quote that I like, why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes it evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. C.S. Lewis. There are numerous examples throughout the Bible, throughout the scripture, from Genesis to Revelation of choices and the consequences of those choices. But God does not make the choice for us, which is our own responsibility in abiding and subscribing to our relationship with him. There is a complexity in knowing that God's sovereign will will play out through the end of time. With that notion, the body of Christ is governed by the head, which is Christ. The body of Christ or believers that make up the body have the autonomy or the interdependency to work within their own talent, treasures, and time that add to the purposes of the entire body that falls in line with God's greater calling 
and the intended design. There is no doubt that we are complex creatures, but that only magnifies we have a God that is also not one dimensional in nature and we should seek to be the reflection of that through the example of Christ. Now, let's talk briefly the connection between effort and reward with a focus on excellence, not on the analysis paralysis that comes with focusing on errors. We as believers do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21. Break. Our reward is in heaven. It is existing in the presence of God in abounding love and his perfect goodness. Our reward lives on in eternity. We are not perfect, but Christ is. So we follow on his example and we don't always get it right. But when we focus in on Jesus and how we ought to live, love God and love others, we are continually transformed and die daily to the things we ought not to do. We begin focusing on the excellence that is God and not on the wayward way that we left behind. We stop the focusing on missing the target so much and not so much as sinning because we are focused on Christ and the principles that come from the Bible. Here's an example. Imagine two people resisting a cigarette. When offered a smoke, the first person says, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. It sounds like a reasonable response, but this person still believes that they are a smoker who is trying to be something else. They are hoping that their behavior will change while carrying around the same beliefs. The second person declines saying, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. It's a small difference, but this statement signals a shift in identity. Smoking was part of their former life, not their current one. They no longer identify as someone who smokes. We are new creatures in Christ. Our focus frees us, pulls us towards the excellence of God. Simply put, when my perspective changed, my possibilities changed with it. Our environments change. The people around us change. The seasons of our life change. And how we implement the genetic code of our lives and organizations, the competencies, and how we view meaningful work will determine the success in the journey towards the vision we have set for our lives, our companies, our communities, and ultimately our lives spent in eternity with God. Look, it's been a pleasure dialoguing with all you on the podcast today. I pray that this was value added. As always, be brilliant, be your best, be blessed, and I'll see you next time on another Maximize the Moment. Let's get it. Don't forget to visit us at mtminspiration.com. Let's do life together in Christ. Let's go. Let's go.